The San Diego Padres went from irrelevant to pretty interesting over the winter. Of course, signing one of baseball's best players will do that for you, but it wasn't just the addition of Manny Machado that put them in the conversation of teams that maybe shouldn't be contenders, but kind of could be. What's up, everybody? I'm Tara Wellman. Welcome back to Bird Seeds. If you've been here before, you know the drill, but if this is your first time to my channel, here's the too long didn't read version. I cover the St. Louis Cardinals for birdsontheblack.com and I create weekly videos here like game recaps, these series previews, and more. So if that sounds interesting to you, go ahead and subscribe. Now, Chris Bauer is a repeat guest of the show and he is here today to help us get a clearer picture of what kind of Padres team we will see taking on the St. Louis Cardinals in their home opener. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining me again this season. How are things? I mean, the last time we talked, we spent probably more time than necessary emphasizing how much better the weather is there than it is in the Midwest, <laughs> but I imagine that's still true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still, the weather is still, still, still pretty awesome, <laughs> although uh, the good news is we have a lot more fun stuff to talk about this time than we did last year. It's not the weather, so I'm excited for that. And hey, by the way, thank you for having me back. Uh, I had a blast uh, last year. Um, and I have to say, it's a bit of an honor um, to be had on by somebody with as much baseball knowledge as you do. I'm totally serious. So <laughs> well, thank you for having well, me back. That, that I means certainly, a lot. I certainly appreciate that. And it's it's a lot of fun for me. You know, I was telling someone just today that I'm uh, a bit of a, a junkie when it comes to this stuff. So I love having the chance to talk to other people who are as invested and, and obviously know more about these teams that I don't follow as closely. So I, I appreciate your input on all things Padres, but as you mentioned, a bit more of an exciting offseason and, and start to the year for the Padres than last year. Of course, when you uh, sign a 10-year, $300 million contract <laughs> with one of the best players in baseball, things get a little more interesting. So I guess let's start there, just because I have to ask you, what was it like to get that news? How did you find out when it was being finalized, and what was your reaction to it? Uh, definitely uh, didn't believe it at first. It's very incredulous, especially the way that it happened with the Padres um, throughout the, most of the offseason, to be honest. They were broadcasting the story that was, this isn't the year for that. <laughs> like, we, we, they, they were basically pushing this, we hear you, but we're not ready to spend the money. And so all of a sudden, when that started changing, you, you kind of went back to thinking, well, you know, who knows what that really means. They seemed very sure of themselves. Like, they wouldn't just, like you know, for no reason to throw that out there to, you know, temper their fans' enthusiasm that the Padres aren't going to make a big splash. Uh, so it was a little hard to believe at first. Um, I found out about it like a lot of things on Twitter. I, um, I don't know if my boss is going to be watching this, but I found out in the office. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, I found out on Twitter, uh, checked. I think it was it was MLB that tweeted it out first before it was official, and That's they, right. They, they tweeted to, it and then had to take it down, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like, they well, had the maybe not. <laughs> yeah, they had the Photoshop Manny Machado picture and everything. And um, I, I wasn't the only one I found out who did this, but I'm like inspecting the tweet, you know, like, okay, that's a blue check mark. That's not a fake blue check mark. That is MLB, and that says that they signed him. And you know, obviously went a little crazy with happiness. Um, just it, it was a pretty fun day. Well, pretty fun time. Uh, Padres fans, a bunch of us got together that night to celebrate at a brewery. Uh, we did a, a big group podcast that was also really fun that I was on. And we all, we all had some 
some. We were drinking 394 with a Tony Gwynn beer. <laughs> as one does. Yeah, as Padres fans do, and it's like the craziest time in history to be a Padres fan. Yeah, so... Uh, so it was a lot of fun being around the community, too, I have to say, and just being able to meet, hang out with everyone and talk about it and uh, have a blast, just reveling in Manny Machado. I gave my buddy Rick a, the biggest hug I think I've ever given him, like picked him off, off the ground, it was like twirling him around. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting because I saw the news and I kind of went, wait, the Padres? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because it kind of seemed well, like... That's what it, I said, too. Exactly. <laughs> it seemed a little bit... Not necessarily out of nowhere, but not necessarily what everyone was expecting, where all the signs were pointing, right? So... And it, I think it makes a little more sense now. And, and as, you know, everyone was trying to process, it was like, well, you know, okay, 10-year contract, they've got a ton of really great young talent, so this isn't maybe necessarily for, for Machado a thing about right now, but it's about the duration of a 10-year contract. You want to be in an organization that's going to be competitive. I feel like that gave it a little bit of context that made a little more sense. As we went through the winter and now into the, the first week or so of the regular season, the Padres have made a bit of a shift going from this, we're going to be good in a few years, to we might actually be good now. What has it been like kind of watching that progression from adding Manny Machado to then seeing all the things that happened after that to get them where they are now. Well, I do have to say, getting back to the Machado signing for a second, if you forget all the stuff you ever knew about the Padres, <laughs> the signing did make a lot of sense. Right. <laughs> uh, because they, they really needed third baseman. They have a hole in their, uh, in their uh, development pipeline. Uh, Hudson Potts was a third baseman, but he was a longer way off and wasn't the top, top prospect. So they really, really needed a third baseman. They needed a star, and they had the money. At least they didn't have other that many other contracts signed. Um, so that so that, that perspective it made sense, and uh, like you pointed out, I think it did bring forward the the window a little bit for for contention. Uh, the Padres started behaving a little bit differently. I think uh, I, I think it would be fair to say that they wouldn't have brought up uh, Fernando Tatis uh, right away to start the season. If they didn't say, look, we have uh, a prime year of Manny Machado. We don't want to waste this. Uh, they, they started Chris Paddock, another one of the Padres' top prospects. And, yeah, so I, I think they're um, – it's definitely fair to say that they, they brought the window up a little bit. Uh, I think Fangraphs has them projected at 80 wins right now. They're at 66 last year, so quite a, a jump. a bit of a jump. <laughs> yeah, although it is, it is a young team, so I think there are a lot of possibilities there. Uh I can see them win, you know, 84 wins or or maybe 74 wins just because of, it depends on how the development of those young players goes. Uh, but, yeah, Manny Machado did bring up their floor as well where you can just say for compared to pretty much any other player out there, yeah, we'll go ahead and add four projected wins to their, to their total. Now, you mentioned they did go ahead and put Fernando Tatis Jr. on the opening day roster. That was a big deal uh, for a uh, lot of teams, right, because – we talk about service time manipulation and see it happen all over the place. And it's just kind of one of those things at this point that it's like, yeah, it's bad, but everyone's doing it. But right. the Padres opted to not do it. And my understanding is that Machado and Eric Hosmer are kind of part of the reason for that. Is that accurate? Yeah. So a story came out that Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer took Padres owner Ron Fowler out to dinner and said, uh, we, we want you to put Fernando Tatis on the opening day roster, and he agreed. That, that's what the story was. Uh, I think it's a little bit interesting that they took 
the owner, Ron Fowler, <laughs> and not the general manager. And <laughs> it's sort of like a Scott Forrest thing to do of like, well, we want this thing to happen, so we're just going to go to the owner and skip the GM yeah. anyway. He'll just, he'll just overrule the GM and we'll get what we want. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it worked. <laughs> Evidently, that was uh, that was the right move. Um, it's Although he's the one writing the checks, so you know, if he wants to make that call, maybe he's got a much larger check to write when Tatis's contract is or Tatis's six years are up and he becomes a free agent. Yeah, I guess. But I uh, the other. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I was just going to say. I, I guess say, if you have to convince anyone, it's the guy that's going to have to write the check at some point. So maybe, right, yeah. smart move. <laughs> smart move. <laughs> so the preller's like, "Well, dude, you made that choice. You can write that check." You know. <laughs> exactly. One but, thing I think that it did do as well is improve the relationship with mm. between the Padres and Fernando Tatis. Yeah. They said, "Look, you know, we care about you. We're going to do what's best for the team. We're going to do what's best for you." And you've seen a lot of these contracts from young players come out. Two of them came out today. And hopefully the Padres have something like that um, under wraps or, or they're working on it with Tatis. And they can point to this move to put them on the open day roster and say, look, man, you know, we're, we're on the same team as you. We want to maintain this positive relationship with you. And hopefully that uh, helps them out down the road for that. There's no... Uh abundance of goodwill between players and teams these days. So it certainly can't hurt. But just from a talent perspective, what have you seen from him? There's been so much excitement, so much of this, you know, kind of let's wait and see when he finally gets his chance. Well, he's got his chance. So what is it that people are going to see from him? So Tatis is a good shortstop. There have been some people who think that he might not stick around at shortstop, but from a Padres fan's perspective... The last really good shortstop they had was Khalil Green. So it's been a number of years, and Cardinals fans, you guys are familiar with Khalil Green. <laughs> well aware of how that ended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And before that, it was like Gary Templeton. You know, it's been a long time. <laughs> they traded away Trey Turner, so shortstop has always been a bit of a, a sore spot for, for the Padres. So right off the bat, he's, he's a player who can stick around at short. Uh, he's got a lot of power. We're talking, you know, maybe 30 home runs uh, at his peak. He's fast. Uh, in spring training, there was a play where he scored on a single, like a r- ground ball single almost, to uh, the center fielder, and he made it to third on that and then just timed uh, a run uh, home to score when the, the center fielder just kind of lobbed the ball in. So scored from scored from first on a single. He's a fast player. Um, hopefully that, that speed helps, um, helps out on defense as well, so... Uh, it's pretty rare that you see that combination of skills uh, from a player, and, and that's what I think what makes him so special is he can he can hit for average too. Um, he's not really known as an on base machine, but uh, with the, the kind of skills that he does have, it, that's the making of a really special player. Um, and yeah, we're we're really excited. <laughs> he hit his first home run. I think that was last night, and it was just a jack. It was just like. 10 rows back. It's such a sweet swing. My gosh, it's it's really exciting. Um, really exciting time to, to watch him play. And I think it speaks a lot to not only his, his raw talent, but kind of the maturity at such a young age for guys like Machado and, and Hosmer to really go to bat for him and say, hey, like this is a guy that needs to be playing every day, not hanging out waiting until there's a, a, a better reason to. So that's... I think says a lot about him as well. But when you look at kind of the offensive pieces they have, Hosmer, Machado, Tatis, what do you make of kind of where they can be? Of course, again, 
pitching and and hitting all around. There's a lot of youth on this team, so it's sort of <laughs> sort of a crapshoot trying to predict it. But what have you seen so far that gives you some sort of indication of what they can be? Hmm, it's hard to say. One, one thing that's interesting about uh, the Padres' position players is they're really deep uh, in the major league roster. They came into the offseason with a deep outfield, especially uh, after the Will Myers at third base experiment didn't work out. So even back to the outfield, and all of a sudden you've got uh, a lot of outfielders, not quite as many infielders, at least at the beginning of the offseason. But now, uh, between uh, Greg Garcia, who turns out probably isn't going to play as pivotal of a role uh, <laughs> as Greg. we thought. Yeah, sorry. Just, sorry he thought man, he was finally going to get a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's another... Um, Another Padres third base prospect who kind of made noises about about having an opportunity, and uh, he wasn't really that great of a prospect, but it would have been like his only chance, pretty much in his you know in the foreseeable future, to have a starting job, and that kind of went out the window for him too. Um, so, uh, so between uh, Garcia and obviously Hosmer and Tatis, and also Ian Kinsler, uh, the Padres also have Luis Urias, who is a very fine uh, second baseman, uh, currently in AAA because it just well. I don't have a great answer for that. He's a great player. <laughs> I, I might have preferred Arias over Kinsler at second, but they signed Kinsler when they thought they need more infielders. Uh, and at, at catcher, you have Austin Hedges and uh, and uh, Mejia as well. So a couple good young catchers. They're deep. And at first base, Myers is really also a first baseman. So <laughs> uh, they're, they're definitely deep all across the board at this point. Uh, and I think that's what made... Uh, the Machado signing, well, among many other things, that's what that's one thing that uh, made so much sense was it really completed the picture. They've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of players who can be starters on good teams. And I think the offense doesn't really have a lot of room for improvement at this point. And I'm hopefully, you know, you've got a lot of depth, a lot of a lot of room for players to get injured or to not work out the way you hope. Uh, and still have a pretty good offense. Uh, the pitching staff is a little bit of a different story. I remember last year I was joking uh, about um, Clayton Richard being the opening day starter. <laughs> so uh-huh. come, he's quite a little come a little away since then. <laughs> yeah, although not not a ton better to be honest. Uh, Chris Paddock is a is an amazing uh, young prospect. Uh, he's got a strong fastball, uh, a wicked changeup, and uh, curveball is still kind of developing. Um, but he's a rookie. So outside of him, you've got some kind of mid to back end starters, um, not quite uh, not quite as deep as as the offense, but there's some interesting interesting players there. And still very young, right? I mean, a lot of those guys that are going to get starting opportunities, you, again, don't really know what to expect because they're just so young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much everyone I mentioned outside of Hosmer and Machado is right. what twenty five <laughs> under for the most part, maybe twenty six. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at that starting rotation, obviously we can talk more about Paddock, but he kind of took spring training by storm and, and everyone's got their eyes on him as far as what he can do, just punching a lot of strikeouts. Um, the transition is always interesting for me from the the guys who are superior pitchers in the minor leagues to guys who can replicate that when they're doing it every five days in the major leagues. The Cardinals have seen that over and over again because they they develop so much pitching but some of the guys that you expect to be able to do it then can't um Asi Gomber for the Cardinals was expected to really challenge for a, a rotation spot this year and he ended up not even making the major league roster because he just couldn't get outs consistently when he's facing you know big league hitting so when you look at that rotation 
Paddock included, is there is there anything specific that you're looking for? Um, and to be fair, we're, we're recording this uh, on Tuesday night, and all the starters for the series <laughs> against the Cardinals haven't been announced either way yet. So I'm kind of talking vaguely because I don't know exactly who we're going to see in that series. Um, but any one of these guys, I think, falls into the same category of watching them very closely to see how they make that transition. Yeah. Uh, the big question, I think, is Chris Paddock. He, um, if, you know, going back to the Machado signing, if that hadn't happened, he, as long as well as Tatis, might not have been in the majors this year. Uh, Paddock, like I mentioned, has that fastball and, and the changeup, but the curveball is still kind of developing. So I think that's that's what you're looking for from him. He threw it uh, some in spring training. I actually had a chance to witness. I think he struck six guys out in a row at the spring training game that we were at. It was it was nuts. It was against the A's. Um, so, you know, for that transition from not even AAA, he didn't even right. play in AAA, to the majors, uh, you know, that – that curveball is going to be the thing for him. And, you know, I was thinking also about some of the, the pitchers that the Padres have developed. I think Matt Latos kind of took the league by storm. Uh, I think that was 2010 when he really propelled the yeah. team. But going back to, to Jake Peavy, who was the last really good pitcher the Padres developed, he played in, in the majors for at least, well, 2003, and I think he debuted in 2002 as well. And then it wasn't until 2004 that he really became the front-end pitcher that we think of him as now. So pitchers especially, I think you're right, it takes a little, a little longer to develop. So uh, in terms of you know, the Padres this season, the pitching staff is really going to be the question mark. Um, it, it might not work out the way that we hope, but it's certainly exciting and more exciting than it's been in a long time. Who are you most excited about outside of Paddock when you look at the guys that are, that are in that rotation? Or who do you, do you think is going to be the most interesting to watch this season? It's got to be Joey Lucchese. He's got a really interesting delivery. He's got a left-handed delivery, and it's super funky, almost like um, like a Clayton Kershaw delivery. I'm not I'm not comparing him to Clayton Kershaw. I'm just right. saying the delivery is similar. It's it's really funky. He like reaches up to start with, and then kind of bends his knees a lot before delivering, and almost like falls back. It's hard to describe. And I'm sitting here <laughs> in a chair, but if he does start, I'd watch for that. So. He had a great debut last year. He was about an average pitcher as a rookie, which is pretty solid. Um, but he's really fun to watch just because of that cool delivery and because he's well, a good pitcher, too. <laughs> that always helps. Who are you most concerned yeah. about? Hmm. Who am I concerned about? Um, well, Matt Strom uh, made the move from the – the bullpen last year to the starting rotation this year. The Padres seemed to really like him, but he didn't have a great debut in the rotation. Um, it's hard to say if that if he was missing spots or if he was missing his stuff or balls were just you know it's just one game, so who really knows? But right. I'd say if I if I were concerned, he's he's a guy who doesn't really have the pedigree. Mm. Uh, uh, there was also another uh, starting pitcher who made the opening day roster, Nick Marjavicious. Who I know almost Glad nothing about. Glad you said his last name because I was going to uh, try to say yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't guarantee I even said it right just then. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny Funny with him. Uh, the beat writer for the Union Tribune, Kevin Acey, about halfway through spring training, uh, tweeted something about how Nick had a chance to make the opening day rotation and he's never pitched above high A. Yeah. Uh, so so Kevin Acey, uh, you know, credit to him for having that call, but he's also kind of new uh, to being a beat writer. Uh, at least for the for the Padres, uh, for baseball. So a lot of like the the older like people on social media who've been following the team for a long time were kind of like, oh dude, 
come on, man, like get real. He hasn't pitched above high A, understandably, but here he is in the starting rotation. So it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I, I I couldn't tell you much about him to be honest. He was never a big time prospect. The Padres just see something about him that they like, and. No pitching, so you know who am I to argue? <laughs> right, uh, I would assume, or I would always like to assume that the team knows a little more about that than uh, than than we do when we're not there every day. But yeah. that's a jump. That's an interesting jump. So last year, Jordan Hicks did that for the Cardinals, but not to the rotation, into the bullpen. Um, I mean, all he did last year was throw 105 miles an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> I can see why there was an appeal there to put him on the major league staff. But it's an interesting jump because. Um, Again, with pitchers, they, they have to learn how to miss better bats. <laughs> and part of the problem for Jordan Hicks last year is he wasn't missing many bats. He could throw 105, um, but, but guys were still able to get a piece of it. And so it, it minimized how effective he was at times. So it's such an interesting jump to try to make because they're learning all of that on the fly. And, and the natural progression is that you learn it a little bit at a time instead of trying to make all those changes all at once. So um, I think that it's it's a really interesting call when something like that happens because it's it is unusual and it's unusual for a reason. So I actually think he's going to be he's one of the the few announced starters for the series. Um, he'll be facing off against Jack Flaherty, another young guy for the Cardinals, who did not have a great first start uh, last week. So looking to recover a little bit in the home opener um, with all of that youth. I imagine it has to be really, really valuable to have someone like Eric Hosmer who's been around, who knows the drill, who can kind of act as uh, not only a leader on the field, but also just like the guy who's been there. A lot of these guys haven't ever been on a major league roster before, and it's nice to have, I would assume, someone like Hosmer around. Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing that up because, well, we did talk about that beforehand. <laughs> we did talk but, about um, it beforehand. <laughs> yeah, we, we did plan that. Uh, so I do have something interesting to share with you uh, related to Hosmer. I know you might have been surprised when the Padres signed him. I know a lot of Padres fans were. Um, so w- one thing that I, that I can say about, about the reason that the Padres did sign him last year um, First of all, it almost seemed like they had Eric Hosmer on the team, and that player was called Will Myers. <laughs> uh, sort of, Fair. you know, some a little bit of power, a first baseman, not a lot of defensive value elsewhere. Uh, so I was a little bit confused about that. Um, and, and one thing that I can say is that the Padres, first of all, did sign Eric Hosmer to be a, a baseball player, a, a, you know, to provide value on the field. But like you said, they also signed him um, to be a leader uh, on the team and in the clubhouse and. Um, and one thing that I can say is that there are people within the Padres organization who do value a lot of the traits that actually the Cardinals organization has in that regard. Have you heard that before? You smiled kind of knowingly. I, I'm just, there's so much, uh, there's some, consi- there's, there's some similarities, I think, in some of the, the players that they value. So I'm not surprised to hear that is, is why I'm smiling. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. Uh, and one thing that I did learn is I think it, it explains a little bit about the Jed Jerko trade from a few years ago. First of all, Jerko was my boy. I think we talked about him last year. I was disappointed to see him go. Um, but part of the reason for that that I, I've, I've sort of put the pieces together on is that the Padres value the skills uh, and the, the culture that exists uh, with the Cardinals clubhouse. And and part of the reason for that trade was to bring in John Jay and help change that. Uh, same thing with Eric Cosmer. He... 
I'm told has a lot of those skills. I don't think I'm ever not going to be a little bit skeptical of that. <laughs> uh, but I've also never been in a major league clubhouse before. And and in addition to that, one thing that I have had is that in the, have heard is that in the past, uh, the Padres clubhouse wasn't the most uh, supportive environment uh, between some of the players who were in there. Uh, and so that goes back to to John Jay. That goes back to Eric Hosmer. Um, the Padres think that uh, that supportive environment, that um, friendly uh, environment where players help each other out, uh, as opposed to sort of seeing themselves as, as like silos on their own, uh, is something the Padres are, are working on on changing. So uh, hopefully Hosmer uh, provides some value there. Um, it's questionable whether or not he's going to provide that kind of value in the field. <laughs> Uh, he's kind of, uh, you know, he's your average first baseman at this point. He's had his, his up years and down years. I don't, I don't know if that was going to continue to be the pattern, but I also said that about the Giants the year they, before they won the World Series. And I'm like, that, that doesn't make any sense to me, but it still happens. So, so maybe, maybe they'll have that, or maybe Hosmer will have that every other year pattern uh, continue, but I'm skeptical. I think at this point he's, he's, uh, he's an average to above average, slightly above average first baseman who helps the team in other ways that I might not ever understand. You mentioned the pattern. Actually, one of the comments I got on, on Twitter from my buddy Graham was that, you know, Hosmer's better in odd-numbered years, right? So are you excited yeah, for yeah. odd-numbered year Hosmer? Um, but you should, also, you should also know that Greg Garcia was known amongst Cardinals fans as good guy Greg. So if, oh. you, need a, if you need a good clubhouse guy... There's another one you can add to the list. Like, Good guy, Greg. That <laughs> yeah, maybe that, uh, maybe that explains why he's on the roster right now. Yeah. And the, not Urias or something. It, there you go. Um, no, but, but Greg really is. He's just that kind of prototypical, really good teammate, do whatever you need him to do, always going to be the the first guy with the high fives in the dugout, whatever it is. Uh, so good guy, Greg. Um, but I was asked to get a report on Greg Garcia. Uh, I did note that he made the roster, so he's, he's on the team, but uh, anything that you can share with his adoring fans <laughs> would be appreciated. <laughs> uh, I really wish I could share. Uh, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, I think his role on the team changed quite a bit over the course <laughs> of the offseason between signing Machado uh, and Kinsler. Um, he, he started a game at second base. Um, you know, whenever the Padres think Urias uh, is ready to go, uh, hopefully they don't, they don't see Urias as, uh, as more of a utility. Well, they don't. They don't see him as a utility guy. They see him as a starter. So what's going to happen between Garcia, Urias, and Kinsler, I think, is up in the air. My guess is Garcia might be the first one out. Uh, unfortunately, sorry, sorry, good guy Greg fans. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, it, it, it's hard to say at this point. Well, if nothing else, they'll get a chance to see him this week in St. Louis. So get everybody get your fix of good guy Greg, and then who knows what's <laughs> going to happen after that. Um, get those memes ready. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All those good guy, good guy Greg uh, memes. <laughs> we'll have to work on that for this weekend. Um, we talked about it a little bit off the top. The additions this winter have sort of pushed the timeline forward for the Padres. But how far forward do you think that this is a year, I mean, we talked about all the ways that they could be competitive this year. How exaggerated do you feel like the timeline is now with the things they've done to be competitive now? Well, I think the big debate related to that is the Padres starting rotation. You know, like we talked about, there's some pitchers out there, Dallas Keuchel, 
Makes a lot of sense. I don't know if the Padres have enough money left to sign him. My guess is they don't. Uh, there was a rumor that the Padres actually had to take out a loan to cover the first couple of years of Machado's deal. <laughs> so, you know, if that's true, it's hard to it's hard to see them going after Keuchel or another starting pitcher like that. Uh, I think, yeah, I think a lot of their competitiveness this year is going to come down to the rotation. Uh, you know, we're looking at probably a low 80s win total. I think that's probably best case scenario coming off that, that 66 win total last year. Uh, they might be able to squeak their way into the wild card. I think that's the goal uh, is to, to make the wild card and and um, and see what happens from there. Next year, though, is 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 go time. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Andy Green as well being sort of up, his future in San Diego being up in the air after this season. Personally, I'm not sure how fair that is. I'm, I'm never I'm never really the fire the manager guy. I'm always like, really, I don't I don't I don't I don't understand it quite as much. Um, but there is talk about about Andy Green this year and seeing, hey, you know, is, is he going to be the manager who leads the Padres into this window of contention, or is that going to be someone else? Uh, but yeah, I think a wild card is uh, is certainly something to hope for. It makes a lot of sense. I made a bet uh, with um, one of the radio personalities here in San Diego, Stephen Woods. I think I took the over on. Oh, I don't want to get this wrong now. I took the over on like seventy six wins. I think. Okay. I'm pretty confident with that. <laughs> Yeah, it seems I, there's certainly enough talent to get it done, that's for sure. And more to come. I mean, uh, I was reading um, even today that that uh, this Padres system, the organization as a whole, uh, a baseball prospectus writer said it's the, the best uh, the best system he's ranked since he's been at Baseball Prospectus. So there's wow. still a lot of <laughs> a lot of talent yet to come that isn't even even there yet. So whatever happens this year may just be a precursor for what is to come. When you look at this series with the Cardinals, are there a couple of key things to to look for from the Padres or that you're going to be uh, keeping track of this series? Hmm. You know, I don't. I don't know if I'm at that point yet in the season where I'm like looking for something. I'm just like, oh, Fernando Tatis. Just, <laughs> just, just enjoy it into my veins. <laughs> just yeah, let me watch some jacks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... You know, like it's not like it's not like we're in playoff, you know, mode right, right now. Where you're thinking, oh, if this if this falls this way, and you're I'm not, just, you're not scoreboard watch. watching it. You're just yeah. you know, <laughs> <okay. All right. laughs> Machado. It's just I'm not over it. You know, I'm not over the magic yet. I'm still I'm still just enjoying it. And that's uh, you've come a, we've come a long way since we talked yeah. to you last time. So being able yeah. to just sort of sit back and enjoy what's going on with the Padres is uh, is a big step up, I would say. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Terrace? Or something you're looking for? You know, the Cardinals' starting rotation got off to a pretty rough start. Now, they were in Milwaukee and facing Christian Yelich when he had the best series of his life. So all of that may be a little <laughs> skewed to uh, okay. to the, the circumstances of the, the team and the um, the fact that balls were flying all over the place in Milwaukee opening weekend. So, But none of their starters outside of Michael Waka really had very good first appearances of of the year. So for me, that starting rotation needs to look more like we expected it to. Jack Flaherty is getting the opening day start, which is huge for him. Um, But he did not look great in his first start. So definitely looking for some rebounds of the the starting pitching. And then the middle of the Cardinals order is a little sketchy right now. Um, They've got some obviously great talent at the top with Matt Carpenter and Paul Goldschmidt, but their three, four, five went like one for fifteen yesterday, um, so that's not going to be a that's not going to be a trend I would like to see continue. Let's 
Let's just <laughs> suffice it to say that that's got everyone a little concerned. They also have the most strikeouts in the National League right now. Um, oh. Hmm. So, not, also not a great trend. So, you know, no. similarly, we're a week in to regular season games. Hard to draw too many hard lines or, or dramatic conclusions, but yeah. things to watch for nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been uh, an interesting first week. And, of course, in the NL Central, you know, all of those things are magnified because that division is going to be insane. So um, every every little move, every little uh, stat or or point on a graph is is being looked at very closely already. So um, I don't know, but I think it's going to be interesting to to see how they uh, look against teams not in the NL Central for the first time. <laughs> and of course, everyone's going to be anxious to get a look at Fernando Tatis and. Manny Machado, as always, so should be as should always. be a good time in yeah. uh, in St. Louis for sure. I know a lot of fans who are very jealous that Machado is in San Diego and not in St. Louis because they were also in need of a third baseman, <laughs> um, but they opted for a first baseman instead and then then signed him to an extension. So that's that's pretty solid. <laughs> I <yeah>. don't know. <laughs> like, I, I'm not used to being like the fan of the team. With, that has, you know, the star player like that. But, I mean, it's a yeah. pretty solid... I don't even want to make a joke about it being a consolation prize because it's not even a funny joke, you know? Yeah, no, it's... Uh, Goldschmidt is the best first baseman in baseball. You're going to yeah. be pretty happy about that. I was... And I think I was a little more um, instantly pleased with that than a lot of people were. I think as soon as the, the Goldschmidt thing happened, people were like, okay, yeah, but what about Harper? <laughs> Um, really? Yeah, there's See, a that, that thinking is just like beyond me, you know. <laughs> I agree, <laughs> uh, but it happened nonetheless. So yeah, it took I, it, it took a little while till uh, till Harper was off the table. I think before a lot of people were like, "Okay, now let's remember how good Paul Goldschmidt is." Um, okay. And then he hit three home runs in one game against the Brewers, and everybody was like, "Oh." <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> um, no, I expect him to be a lot of fun to watch all season. He's uh, not the most exciting personality in the world, <laughs> um, but he's he's very very fun to watch play baseball. So that's I think regardless of what happens in any series, I'm still going to be really happy to watch Paul Goldschmidt play. <laughs> yeah, as would I. <laughs> Well, Chris, is there anything else that we didn't get to as far as the Padres and the Cardinals that the people need to know? I think we covered a lot of it. Okay, well, I got to ask him. I'm a boy. He's, right. he's hurt right now, but he Jed should be Jerko... back though. He should be back. Okay. I think for this series. Um, okay. So he rejoined the team in Pittsburgh, and the plan is for him to be ready for opening day, which means there will be some other roster movements at that point. It was uh, a less challenging decision coming out of spring as far as those uh those infielders that were playing the backup roles because Jed was hurt but um he should be right. back and he didn't we didn't really see a whole lot of him this spring so I don't really know <laughs> how much more to say as far as what he looks like or or how much I expect him to contribute it's he's in an interesting spot being the backup now to Matt Carpenter and Paul DeYoung and Colton Wong who's kind of playing out of his mind right now. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm not sure even what the how they're going to juggle all of that, but having him healthy certainly gives them depth that uh, that they don't have right now. Um, in not to get too far off track, but in uh, in Monday's game, 
they ran out of players. <laughs> uh, they used their last position player, which was Matt Weaver's, <laughs> as the backup catcher, which meant that Yadier Molina played half an inning at third base after Matt Carpenter uh, was ejected for arguing balls and strikes. In oh, extra okay. innings. <laughs> okay. Um, so it was Not interesting. The best time to do that. Interesting. Uh, the strike zone was real bad all day. And okay. then I think it was actually a check swing that they called him out on and he said something. And I didn't think he should have been thrown out, but whatever. It happened. And was, Yadier was, Molina was played it their a base. About, was it a threat about robot umps? Because if I was a player and I got bad calls, <laughs> I would be the first thing out of my mouth every time. Like, robot umps, let's do this. Come on. <laughs> I don't think it was, but I think it should be every time now because the the strike zone was a nightmare um, in that game. And it was two different umpires because one of them got hit in the head so many times with foul balls that he had to leave the game. So oh, wow. it, it, Monday was very strange. It was probably the, the weirdest game that I've seen that I can recall. So many things happened. That doesn't usually happen this early in the year, but it happened, and Yadier Molina played third base. So all of that is to say, had Jed Jerko been on the roster, <laughs> things would have probably been a little less complicated in, uh, in yeah. extra innings the other day. So looking forward to you. that, um, as well as just getting Jed back uh, on the roster, getting him some at-bats. So that's all I can really tell you. Uh, similar to the uh, circumstance for Greg Garcia... I don't really know what it means for Jed at this point, but he certainly gives them depth, and that's helpful in any circumstance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, he's like a starter on the bench. That's pretty yeah. rad. And they have, honestly, they have three of those right now. They have Jed Jerko in the infield, and they've got Jose Martinez and Tyler O'Neill, who could probably be starting, who are um, their bench guys and backup outfielders. So they've yeah. they've got some pretty yeah. legitimate depth, assuming their starters pull their weight, which is the real question right now. <laughs> <laughs> but again, not to get too far off track, those are the middle-of-the-order hitters that didn't do a whole lot in the first week of the season. So we'll see how that all goes. Well, Chris, I will let you go for the evening, and uh, this was fun. I appreciate it. Uh, this was fun for me as well. I had a blast. Thanks, Tara. Exciting times for Padres fans, to say the least. Thanks again to Chris for joining me. It will be interesting to see how all of those pieces fall into place for the Padres. Also will be interesting to see how the Cardinals recover from a rocky start to their season, especially on the starting pitching front. As I mentioned, recording this on Tuesday night, so not totally sure who those pitching matchups will be between the Padres and the Cardinals in the opening series at Bush Stadium, but as always, there will be plenty of fanfare on Thursday and beyond as the Cardinals finally get back to St. Louis. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel so that you get all of the series previews throughout the season, as well as about last night and all sorts of other additional content. Follow everything going on over at Birds on the Black, which is where you can find these, as well as lots of other content about the Cardinals throughout the year and follow me on Twitter. We can talk more about this as the week goes along. Until next time, I'm Tara Wellman.